Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, Thanksgiving week. We made it. Do we have big plans? Um, I only have one Thanksgiving to attend on the actual Thanksgiving day. A rare Ooh. thing for me. So, I don't know, probably get day drunk or something. That feels right. <laughs> Should we go through the entire Chiefs roster. Actually, the better way to do it, let's go through your entire Thanksgiving plate and attribute each player to a different dish. It'll take us 30 minutes and that'll be the whole episode. <laughs> just who's the turkey? Who's <laughs> the ham? Who's the mashed potatoes? Yeah, who's the mashed potatoes? Can we just do that one and then we'll call it good? Who's the mashed potatoes of this Chiefs team? A necessity, like has to be in there. One of the best things on the plate, it's Travis Kelsey. It's already oh. one of the best things on the plate and it's on everyone. Like if anyone got to choose, you'd be like, all right, look, you're only going to get one side. A lot of people would choose mashed potatoes. Is he also the gravy or is someone else the gravy? I think he's the gravy as well. The yeah, mashed potatoes and the gravy. Okay, yeah, okay. Now, the whole deal. Let's each take a different dish. Kayla, um, see, this oh. is going to be very revealing. I'm going to give you a polarizing one, and we'll find out if you either love this player or hate this player. Who is the cranberry sauce of the Chiefs team? I don't eat cranberry sauce. Exactly. So who's the player that you hate on the Chiefs roster? Oh, I can't say that. I love everybody. I know. You I can know say was... who doesn't play. They don't make it on your plate, Kayla. So it's really just who doesn't play. <laughs> like this would have been Sky Moore last week. I was, that's what was on the tip of my tongue. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, but he played. He had a good game. So that's not. All right, Nick. Your who's yours, Nick? Stuffing. Yeah. Stuffing, Let's turn Nick. this thing around. Yeah. Who's the stuffing on your plate? Guys, I don't like stuffing. Oh, I'm indifferent about stuffing too, actually. So, unfortunately, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is my wow. stuffing. 
Mm. Sorry. And it's uh, nothing against him. Just like it's nothing against stuffing. It's not that I hate stuffing. It's that there's something else I like more. You know, what is that? <laughs> what like, do you like more? I go double. I go double on the on the mashed potatoes. I'll go corn. I like the Brussels sprouts. Yes. Right? That's what I make. So, I, yeah, that's the thing. The Brussels. Who's the Brussels sprouts of this team? Who's the thing that like not everybody loves, but you need it to but it's balance needed. out the plate. You need it to balance out the plate. It's healthy. It's good for you. It's not your favorite, but you have to have it. Who's that for the Chiefs? Ooh, it's it's offensive lineman or linebacker. It's either like Nick Bolton or it's like Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey is a very Brussels sprouty. <laughs> or like Blake Bell when healthy. It's like <laughs> yeah. A blocking tight end. Yeah. You know? yeah. We got to have this. OK, you got to eat your greens. What do you have with your Brussels sprouts? Do you throw some bacon in some balsamic? I, I usually oh, cook yeah. them. I usually exactly. cook them in bacon fat. So hey, here's even better. Well, a uh, life hack you ever, you guys know smashed potatoes where you yeah. smashed Brussels sprouts. Try it. <gasps> yeah, I'm just going to blow, blow your mind. Good start to this podcast. I think. <laughs> I'm sorry for derailing it, but that was highly enjoyable. No, I think, I think it's good. <laughs> I could talk about food all day. All right. Well, we're also going to blow your mind with this podcast, guys. Starting with the Chiefs pass rush has been quietly dominant this year. They are fourth in the NFL in sacks and eighth in pressures. Do we think this is sustainable? I'll say this. It is. We are borderline getting to the point of having to say that they're good without any qualifiers as a pass rush. Now, I want to be very clear here before I tell you if it's sustainable or not. As a pass rush, not as a defensive line, not just giving the defensive line a pass because that would be disingenuous. Chris Jones is great. Dunlap has been good. There's been some other guys who are serviceable, but the pass rush itself is what really makes it. Jerry Sneed has three and a half sacks. Nick Bolton has two and a half sacks. Willie Gay has two sacks. They get them from literally anywhere. But if you had told me that at week, like 10 games into the season, week 11, that the Chiefs would have the fourth most sacks in the NFL, that would have been shocking information going into the year. You'd have been blown away at that possibility because they weren't supposed to be capable of that. And really, it's on the back of Chris Jones, who's on pace for 15 of them. That's why they're able to get to that number. But I honestly all give Spags a lot of credit here. The creativity he's shown this year in blitzing guys from literally everywhere is why. Chanel and Darius Harris and Gay and Bolton and Sneed have all been a part of the sack game. And I'm just going to assume that that's sustainable because they can keep blitzing. It would actually be weirdly less, less sustainable to me if they were fourth in the NFL in sacks, but Frank Clark had six. I'm like, well, that's not going to last. But blitzing? That's part of who they are. So I really do think that they will keep up this pace. All right, Kayla, I've got something. I already told Cody this earlier, so uh, it's not going to blow his mind, but I am going to try and blow your mind with this stat. Right. Uh, so in 2020, two years ago, mm-hmm. Chiefs finished the season with 32 sacks. Last year, 2021, Chiefs finished the season with 31 sacks, 17 games. This year, through 10 games, Chiefs have 32 sacks. They have already surpassed their season total from a year ago, and there's still seven games to play. This is not this is not a minor improvement from a year ago. This is a massive leap in sack production, which is huge. Something I don't think any of us expected before this season. Were you guys expecting this to be a massive improvement over last year? Well, before they signed Dunlap, I said they'll just be a bad pass rush. Then they signed Dunlap. I'm like, okay, they can be average. And then, but average. 
not fourth, not like let's make some massive increase in the number of sacks they get. No, no one should have seen that coming. That's not what it looked like. But also, I didn't think Chris Jones was going to get 15 sacks again. Yeah. What's, what's been the turning point? Do you do we think? I don't know. I mean, Jones. it's it's multiple things, right? So let's go. Let's do an exercise then. If I would have told you before the season it was going to be a massive improvement over last year, like what's the first thing you point to? It's Chris Jones, right? You would have said, okay, if they're going to be much better than last year, then first things first, the non-negotiable, he's got to play like a superstar, which is exactly what you're getting. You know what? I I uh, I was looking at the odds today for MVP, right? It's like Patrick Holmes is minus. Uh, 160, and the next closest guy is Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, or like You're about to make plus 500, plus angry, 550. I'm going to get really but mad it's, when you get to this. That's fine, we'll, we'll, but it's <laughs> just... So you're like, wow, okay, so Mahomes is a heavy favorite to win MVP. Okay, totally makes sense. The favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year is Micah Parsons. He's minus 250. The next closest player is plus 2,500. Chris Jones is plus 4,000. He is 40 to 1. To win MVP, he has one less sack, one less forced fumble than Micah Parsons. He has the same number of tackle for losses. Explain, Nick. That uh, doesn't make... Explain why why that would be the case. Is this just a Cowboys thing? Is it because the Cowboys are playing at 325 each week when there's only two other games on? I mean, I'm not... Listen, I'm not trying to act like Micah Parsons isn't having an incredible season. Like He should be the favorite. He should be the favorite. Sure. But the idea that he is running away with it, like he would have to completely collapse down the stretch when statistically he and Chris Jones are having almost identical seasons with, with the exception of one more forced fumble and a touchdown and another an extra sack. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't matter. But when you look at the way that Chris Jones has impacted games, it's just it doesn't make any sense to me that they're 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 saying that this is Micah Parsons that, that Micah Parsons would be a bigger favorite to win that award than Patrick Mahomes would be to win the MVP makes no sense to me at all. I know we yeah, yeah. kind of touched on this last week. Like, is it because our offense is louder or but like, why isn't he getting the credit he deserves? I am with you. It does not make sense. You know what I think it is to that point, Kayla? It's that earlier in the season when Dak was out and they were winning games with mm. their defense. It was like, wow, Micah Parsons is the best player on this team. So, yeah, it does. It, I think that the first two months of the season was where he sort of became the guy to beat because they were winning games on the back of that defense. But the flip side of that is that's a really, really, really talented defense. And he's got really talented players around him. Dorrance Armstrong, former Jayhawk, not a big deal. Seven uh, sacks, yeah, seven, by the way. Kayla, not a big deal at all. But, you know, <laughs> football. Uh, in the NFL. (laughs) They have 18 sacks on their defensive line on their defensive line out of the next three guys that aren't Micah Parsons. He's on the way better defense. It, it, I mean, falling short of it's bullshit. It's bullshit that the odds are this skewed because there's no way he has played that much worse. T I looked it up because I was just curious. So I just went TJ Watt was less of a favorite at this time of the year. than. Micah Parsons is now TJ Watt at this time last year, 13 and a half sacks. What the hell am I seeing here? Like it doesn't, there's no, there's no good logic in why Chris Jones is this far back. Now I know normally betting Kayla, they just be like, well, then you're getting great value because you are. Mm -hmm. You can get Chris Jones at 40 to one right now. And there's no reason that it should be this separate. 
all you are is one Micah Parsons twisted ankle or one three sack Chris Jones day when Micah Parsons gets zero game away from those odds getting a lot tighter. Now, I don't think Chris Jones is going to win it, but he ought to be in this conversation. And it's offensive that he's not because if his name were Aaron Donald, he would be because he's having an Aaron Donald season in the interior. And that is the biggest reason but he's Chris Jones, not Aaron Donald, so they're not going to bring him up but, in this conversation. Isn't, aren't these individual awards just as much about the moments as they are the, the raw numbers? Like yeah. if you have that MVP moment in a big game where you clinch a win, and we remember that at the end of the year. Think about this. Just on Sunday night against the Chargers, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Chargers are down by three. First and 10, Chris Jones gets a sack. Last drive of the game, 31 seconds, Chargers down by three, Chris Jones gets a sack. That's two sacks in the fourth quarter. Two weeks before against the Titans, third and 21, Titans are down three, Chris Jones, Carlos Dunlap get a sack with 240 to go in overtime. Uh, week seven versus the Niners, he gets a sack with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Week six versus the Bills, third and 10, Bills down three, he gets a sack with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Week three against the Colts, fourth down, Colts down four, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Chris Jones gets a sack, but it gets the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because he said mean things to Matt Ryan. That's five and a half sacks in the fourth quarter this year, and four and a half of them were in one-score games. This guy is a closer, and we never, ever, ever say that about defensive players. So if you want to just go off the numbers and hand the award to Micah Parsons, that's fine. But I feel like at some point, the fact that he is putting games away and putting them on ice in the fourth quarter should factor into this discussion. Did you hear that, NFL media? Yeah. Period. (laughs) Well, sticking with the defense and another player who's had a huge impact, Nick Bolton's play. Has it salvaged the Orlando Brown Jr. trade this year? Uh, And before you answer, one of my favorite quotes from Andy Reid's presser on Monday, he said on Nick Bolton, he prepares like crazy. He doesn't talk a whole lot. He's a quiet guy, but he plays like a tiger. Man, doggone it. We got a doggone it from Andy. (laughs) I love it when that happens. When he said Tiger, was he referring to the Missouri Tigers? I think he was. I think it was a play on words. I think he pulled that quote the second I mentioned there was a Jayhawk doing good (laughs) things in the NFL. I'm going to see your Jayhawk and raise you a Mizzou Tiger. Uh UMKC doesn't have a football team. What am I supposed to do here? Go Kangaroos. (laughs) University (laughs) of Missouri system. So I guess I'll talk about Bolton. There we go. First. The, the trade in its own right is not a failure because you've gotten two years of a start of Orlando Brown Jr. And you will, whether he walks in free agency, he gets franchise tagged and traded, get some compensation back. It's a lot because if he walks in free agency, you're going to get a comp pick in the third round. Just based on the amount of money he's going to get paid by somebody. All right. So you're getting a third round back no matter what. Gave up the first, late in the first, but you're going to get a late third round back. And you got two years of starting left tackle for a team that will most likely be in the AFC title game both of those years. Maybe in a Super Bowl, maybe win a Super Bowl, depending on what happens this year. But the Nick Bolton thing is what makes this trade great. Not just it's salvageable, it's a good trade. Because if you had just told me for the 31st overall pick, I got a possible 10-year NFL linebacker, even in a non-valuable position, that's a win. That's objectively a win. And he looks like the kind of guy who's definitely going to get a second contract here. Looks like the kind of guy who could be in Kansas City for a while. and so. When you look at that, it's already there. Like to me, the Nick Bolton part of this trade is probably the unsung part of it because he's been so good. It has made this trade so much better. I could have just lived with 
first round pick two years at left tackle because they didn't have anything. But the fact they ended up getting Nick Bolton with the pick they got back from Baltimore makes it great. But am I allowed to say that in that trade, I was hoping to get a franchise left tackle and you didn't get a franchise left tackle. Therefore, I'm still disappointed. I mean, I understand that. No, I'm just saying it's not a bad trade. Like you can look back. Like, oh, I, mean, I agree with that, but it's, it's still it's I, mean, I don't want to get into a semantics discussion. Yeah, right? You didn't get what you wanted out of the trade. The main goal of the trade was to get a left tackle. But the reason why you took the pick back is you wanted a safety net to protect your ass in case you didn't get that. And yeah. that's what you did. You hit it the pick. Feels, you nailed it. It feels like a nice, a, a great silver lining. It's a great silver lining. And I guess if we, if you want to even extrapolate that a bit further, it's like, well, the other silver lining from the fact that you're not going to give Orlando Brown Jr. 23 million or whatever it is that he wants in a contract extension is now you've got more flexibility to potentially try and resign Juju Smith Schuster long-term. I'm not mad about that. Maybe it gives you more flexibility to give Chris Jones that inevitable contract extension. I'm not mad about that either. So yeah, I want a franchise left tackle and you sort of make do with whatever you have, but knowing that he wants a lot of money and he's not getting it. And now you got a cheap starting inside linebacker and you've, you've got flexibility to resign other guys. It's not the worst thing in the world. I know GMs always claim they don't think this way, but admit that they do at least having Nick Bolden there makes it an easier pill to swallow. If you got to walk from Orlando Brown, like, Oh, that is in fact, I'm like, yes, it does. If all you had done was trade your first round pick and got Orlando Brown Jr., you'd be very tempted to sign him again this offseason because you gave up a first round pick. What you're talking about, Nick, you're like, I want to get what we wanted out of this trade. But at least Nick Bolton being around is like, yeah, we didn't do all that bad. I mean, you know, we got two years and we got Nick Bolton. <laughs> and again, they will receive compensation back for Orlando Brown Jr. in some capacity. What I think they'll do is they'll seek out trade partners right before the franchise tag. But again, if they just start him again next year, they can play that game too. The problem is he gets so expensive on that third year franchise tag of guaranteed dollars. He makes their cap situation kind of sucky next year. If that's the case, he's much easier to manage cap wise. If you extend him, but if you let him walk in free agency, the current projection would have him as you getting a third round pick back. So you would have given up a first round pick. You'd get a two. You'd get a second and a third round pick back, right? You traded a first round pick for a second and a third. And the second you already know is a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. That seems like a pretty good deal. And you're not even counting in the two years of actual service time Orlando Brown put in for you for left tackle. Yeah, you still got left tackle problems maybe down the road or even into next year, but at least but the trade still works. I wouldn't go back and do it differently. Um, quick follow-up to a podcast earlier in the season. I came up with a new nickname for him because I know I threw out Superman, but is the flash better? Hmm. He's zip zap zopping all over the field. Like comes out of nowhere, makes huge plays. What was that again? He's zip zip zap zopping. Is that a thing? I actually stole it from my favorite comedian, Heather McMahon. I like the zip zap zopping first off. So you say something else that I like dink doink or something. You've said that a few times. Dink and dunk. Dink and dunk. Oh, and I'm talking about like when there are short passes all over the field. Oh, yeah. Dink and dunk. Dink and dunk. Those are just zip zap zoink, dink, dunk, doink. Onomatopoeia is everywhere. Yeah, we like fun words on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Sue us. Drink uh, every time Nick says dink, doink. I don't know. Dink, like, dunk, drink dunk. every time I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I just like when I think of Nick Bolton, he's just like, I think of just reliability. I think of, yes. oh, it's you versus him in open field. There's a yard of space between you. You're not getting past him. Sorry. Don't care who you are. 
Don't care if you're Austin Eckler. Don't care if you're Jonathan Taylor. If it's you versus him, open field, one-on-one, he is bringing you down. Like, it's just, it is a security blanket. It is reliability. And that kind of goes to, like, the positional value. Inside linebacker is not one of the flashy, flashy positions. They're not the guys who get $20 million a year because they're not getting sacks. They're not getting a ton of interceptions. They're not locking down the other team's best player. But there is something reassuring about just having another position. If you're Brett Veach every single year and you're sort of analyzing the roster, what do we have to do? Where do we add? Really nice to have a guy who's in year two and you're just looking at that position and saying, we don't even have to think about inside linebacker for the next four years. Exactly. Let us give thanks. 